This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you should not get organized and some related topics. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I have to tell you, I just found out that our studio here is down the street from where Phoebe Buffay's apartment was in the TV show Friends. It turns out she's just a couple blocks down the street. The love for Friends never (laughs) ends. And that is me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And I am not near Phoebe Buffay's apartment, but I wish I were. Now, before we get into the Try This at Home, Elizabeth, let's have an update on your struggle with your hair appointments. Many listeners contacted us with ideas for you, and they all had the same idea. (laughs) Yes, they did. They said I should make my next appointment when I leave the current appointment. And by the way, did that have have a, uh, a ring of familiarity to you? (laughs) <laughs> yes, it did. Because mom has been saying this for years, probably decades. Yeah, no, she keeps saying that to me every time I complain about that. She's like, well, I think you should just make the appointment every time you pay. And I'm like, that sounds like such a good idea. Why don't I do that? Yeah, and it is clearly such a good idea. Um, I don't do it because I never know my schedule. So I feel like I'm constantly canceling appointments. And I hate canceling appointments because it makes me feel so guilty so I don't want to set up an appointment until I know I'm going to be able to keep it. Yeah, but, but as a lot of um, listeners pointed out, is that even if you make it and then you have to move it, at least it's on your calendar to be moved. But I know what you mean. It's that, that uncomfortable feeling of having something that you have to tinker with and follow up with. And um, But anyway, it was very nice from so many people uh, who, who really felt your pain. I know. It's interesting. <laughs> many people suffer from this 
happiness to merit. Yeah. We all have trouble getting ourselves to go to the hair salon. So it's not just me. I'm happy to report. Yeah, and my, my, my hair is down to my knees. So, okay, we're, we're all going to work on this. Um, so here, Elizabeth, uh, the try this at home tip this week is don't get organized. Scratch, that's so interesting because I bet a lot of people are making the New Year's resolution to get organized. Yeah. Now, so don't get organized does not mean that we should make up our minds to live in squalor. Um, <laughs> but Just to be clear. Yeah. But what I found is that like a lot of times when people, you know, they have their desk is swamped with papers or there's you know they can barely close a closet door because there's so many clothes there or the countertops are littered with piles of just junk that's there and and there's this impulse and I certainly have this which is like I need to get organized I need to get organized but the first impulse should be I should get rid of stuff not I should organize mm -hmm. stuff because if you don't have it you don't have to organize it yeah that reminds me of when you came to help me move uh, Which time? years ago, I know it's happened a few times with years ago. And I think we've talked about this when I had papers in the oven. That was definitely a time when you were like, I wanted to get file boxes and spend hours like filing old papers. And you were like, why don't you just throw all these old papers away? Right. Now, I remember you wanted to get these notebooks for your writer. You're in the Writers Guild. And you wanted to make these like careful files of every of, of all the papers that they sent you. And I was like, do you ever need any of this? Like, what do you use this for? And you were like, um, I don't actually need this. And we yeah. threw it away. <laughs> and so it's going for we had like piles and piles and piles of stuff that you thought you had to organize. But then when we looked at it, we were like, you don't have to organize it because you can just get rid of it. And if there was anything you needed, you could just call them up and get a statement or I, I don't even know what what it was for. Yeah. And the thing is now, I mean, that was years ago, but now everything is online anyway. I mean, bank statements, phone bills, all of that. So you really don't need to keep all that stuff. Yeah. But also the thing that I've noticed about organization, um, because a lot of times I foist myself uh, over on friends and like at, beg them to let me come over and help them clean their closets, like I've done to you many times, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. um, and what I've noticed is the people that have the worst clutter problems are often the ones who are the most attracted to buying gizmos. Like they yes. want to get into the complicated closet situation or like the weird hangers and and they, what they do is they try to buy stuff that lets them jam more junk into a certain amount of space instead mm. of saying, how do I eliminate the stuff that I don't need? Because if you're storing it, you probably don't need it that much because you're, you know, you're putting it away. So the first thing is like, should I just give this away, throw this away, recycle this, whatever, so I don't need to figure out some clever, advanced way of storing it because I'm just getting it out of my house altogether. Yeah, I think there's an aspirational element to, you know, con what is it, container, the container store, <laughs> you know, where you want to buy these things to feel um, like this person who's on top of everything. And in fact, you just get more weighed down by boxes and shelves and whatnot. No, and I mean, I remember when we were in your apartment, like, it just felt so freeing to be getting rid of all the stuff that you didn't need and you didn't use. And it, we just, it just felt like we were, like, getting lighter and lighter as stuff was going out. Yeah, I'm much better about that now, although I'm sure if you came over, you could have a field day. But you've made a lot of progress. I have. Yeah, I mean, Gretch, when it comes to getting organized, one of the things we all struggle with is what to do with sentimental items. Yeah. 
No, and I think when it's like don't get organized and you're thinking about chucking stuff, it's like it's the stuff that has sentimental value that's very, very hard to let go of. And so what do you do about that? It's a big problem. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com Gretchen. So, Elizabeth, for this happiness stumbling block... Um you know, when we, one of the hardest kinds of things to organize or to keep or to get rid of or, or just to handle are things that are of sentimental value because they feel so meaningful, but they quickly can become overwhelming to manage. Um, I have a friend who kept literally every single finger painted picture that her twin sons made for like the first five years of their life. And she lived in a tiny two bedroom apartment in New York City. And I was just like, you can't have that because there's not enough room in your life to, to, to keep all these things, even though they all feel precious because they're because they have such sentimental value. Um, and a lot of times that's the stuff that we feel like we need to organize. Yeah, I mean, I, on that front, the whole kids, you know, art, et cetera front. I mean, I, at the beginning of the year when Jack started kindergarten, I just decided I was going to keep every single thing that came home in his little folder <laughs> in his backpack. I'm talking workbook sheets, um, you know, drawings that were just like a scratch on a piece of paper. And I sort of have this secret hope that someone like a fairy will go through it all and take out what I shouldn't keep and just leave what I should keep. And I won't have to make that decision because it just seems like, how could I possibly get rid of anything my son has put his hand to? No, it's funny because things have this kind of magic to them, you know, because it's like something that was created by your child. It feels like it's magic. And this also comes up with, you know, like this primitive idea that we have about photographs, like the photographs of people are very precious. And this comes up with holiday cards. Um, I wrote about this on my blog. Um, and if somebody wants, and I'll, I'll include a link to it in happiercast.com slash 46 if somebody wants to go back and, and read that and read the comments, which were fascinating. But it, 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 the thing is, like, what do you do with holiday cards? Because I had mentioned to a friend of mine that we get holiday cards and, like, I open them and I look at them and I leave them on this chest of drawers for the rest of my family to look at them. And then, like, the next day, I throw them away. And that is, you yeah. know, gasp <laughs> No, no. My friend was basically like, you are the most cold, callous, heartless person I've ever met. She didn't say exactly those words, but she was completely taken aback. So I've started to talk to people about, well, what do you do with holiday cards? And it turns out this is the kind of thing where they feel precious because they're these precious reminders of people who are are important to you. And often it's a picture of them. So that feels like very powerful. But how do you manage it? Yeah, I mean, I don't have an answer to this one either. We get our holiday cards 
and sort of just leave them on the counter for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then at a certain point, you know, in February, they move down to a cabinet. Uh huh. And then at some point in the middle of summer, maybe when we're trying to clean up the kitchen, we'll say, oh, should we throw away these holiday cards? Like, oh, I guess so. And then we'll just throw them all away. But I still feel guilty about it, even in July. Well, and a lot of people, okay, so right now we're past the holidays. And and a lot of what people did with their holiday cards is they somehow incorporated into their holiday decorations. And then I think that allowed them to sort of throw them away because they're sort of like they're part of the holiday decorations. But now now the holidays are over. And so I'm putting away my decorations. And that's the appropriate time to let go of the holiday cards. But then a lot of people. That's a good idea. But a lot of people, like you said, I don't like I either I repurpose them. I make them into I, I, I turn them into something else or I kind of keep them until they just sort of kind of fade out in some way. Well, you know, one thing on the whole sentimental um, front that was great for us was Jack's first nanny, Daisha. She would um, collect his art and laminate, you know, some of the best I mean, the pieces. I mean, you know, <laughs> um, if I can say that. Um, and then she sort of made a big book with a, a you know, a ring binder. So it was just one book that you could sit on the shelf and it felt very thorough, yet it wasn't like we had pieces of, you know, paper all over the house. So that was great. Then did you throw away everything else? I, she may have. Again, I, I go with the I don't know what's happening and I don't want to know what's right, happening. Right, right. Because you, you couldn't handle the pain of throwing it away yourself, but if it just disappears. Yes, I think she may have, you know, quietly done that. Well, and you're doing this thing with the shoebox, too, now, right? What's that? Yes. What I, I um, got sort of these big shoebox-type boxes, and I have one designated for Jack. And anytime there's some little doodad, like a hotel key from somewhere that, you know, was a great place, a uh, great memory of where we stayed, or a little toy he got from something, or a ticket stub, I'll just throw it in that box. And I try to write, like, the year on it. Um, at least, so that at some point down the road, when we go through this stuff, it'll bring up memories. Um, and I can't put anything too big in there because it's just a you know size of a large shoebox. But at least it's just a little keepsake you know uh, area for his things that don't have a real category. They're just random items. Well, I mean, this is a really smart thing because, like you say, there's a discipline that's enforced by just the size of the box. Because mementos work best when they're carefully curated and when they don't take up too much room. Ah, you know, words find to that, live by. Find the little thing that stands for the big memory, um, and then you can get rid of the stuff that's going to, you know, uh, be very, very hard to <laughs> accumulate. So basically what we're saying is people should give themselves permission to get rid of sentimental items so that they don't sort of just clutter up the whole place. And what I found with sentimental items is if you pick the one best mem thing that holds the memory, then you can let go of the other ones. If you laminate the best finger painting picture, right. then you can get rid of the other ones because you have the one, if you frame the one great photo, then you don't need to keep a bunch of bad photos because you have like the one that is kind of the the most 
perfect example and you shine a light on that and you save and preserve that and then the other ones you can let go of. At least that's how it works for me. Yeah, I should take that advice um, and uh, apply it to all of my stuff I have from different shows because I have all this swag and I'll have a sweatshirt and a hat and a scarf and a cup and I should just, you know, curate that a little bit. I think we've discussed that. You have a lot of stuff from your shows. That's true. Yeah, it's very sentimental. So again, hard to get rid of. It's a stumbling block. All right. Now we're going to go on to a listener question. Yes. So Gretchen, this week's question comes from Rachel in Chicago. She says, I have a question about rewards and treats, how you distinguish between the two and when you decide you should get one. I am a grad student also working several jobs to support myself, so life is stressful and money is tight. My roommates and I are always trying to save money, yet we often find ourselves saying that we deserve a treat slash reward, whether it's for finishing a long paper or getting through a tough week. My treats are usually things like buying myself a bottle of wine, ordering clothes on the internet, or getting sushi delivered for dinner. Definitely all things that I can live without and that I should resist for the sake of my bank account. How do I decide how often to let myself indulge and make sure that I'm not just being impulsive? Ooh, great question. Great question. And the first thing I would say is that there really is a distinction between a reward and a treat. And that is really important. So a reward is something that you earn. You have to justify it. I'm getting this reward because I did something. A treat is something that you get just because you want it. I think treats are really good. You want to give yourself lots and lots of healthy treats so that you feel energized and comforted and cared for. But rewards start to get tricky because you have to earn a reward. Yeah, and we touched on this issue before, back in episode nine, when we talked about why you should treat yourself. Yeah, now I love that episode because that's when we had an excuse to um, include one of my favorite clips from one of my favorite TV shows, Parks and Rec, um, which is Treat Yourself. Um, uh, because Tom and Donna have Treat Yourself Day every every year. And actually treating yourself is really important because... If you don't treat yourself, you start getting into this thing where you, you're you looking for reasons to give yourself things that you maybe shouldn't or that you don't want to do something that's to make yourself feel better that in the long run is going to make you feel worse. And and so one thing I would say for Rachel is the bottle of wine, the clothes on the Internet, the getting sushi delivered for dinner. One way to manage it so that you manage your budget and you give yourself a feeling of having a treat is to do it is to plan it mm. because when you plan it you can first of all you can look forward to it so there's the pleasure of anticipation which is a very real part of happiness is the pleasure of looking forward to something that's going to be good but also then you're like you're deciding this is what you want and you're consciously making the trade-offs you know you're like i want to spend the money in this way um i need this i'm going to get this but if you do it in the moment if you act impulsively when we do things impulsively, that's often the things that later on we regret. These are the things that over the long run don't make us happier. We just did them in the moment. So if you say to yourself, I can do these things, but I'm going to plan for them, then you do it in a conscious way and you just control it better. Yeah, because it sounds like what happens is she probably gets really worn down and tired. And whenever you're worn down, your defenses go down and you do things you might not otherwise do. So she says, oh, I can spend... $30 on sushi. I deserve it uh, because she's tired. So it's like maybe if you plan better, you can get 
um, you know, sushi at a time during happy hour when it's half off. Right. Or you just know you're, you've decided to do it. Because I think sometimes one of the reasons that we feel bad is that we've, we've sort of said to ourselves, well, I'm going to be really good about managing my spending. And then we do something that's a violation of that. And then we feel bad about ourselves. We feel like we're not living up to our values. We feel disappointed with ourselves. We may feel like, oh, I'm lazy or I, have, I don't have self-control. But like you say, it's because your defenses are down. And so part, and, and also, you know, people don't like to say no to themselves all the time. And so if you're saying like, yes, I can have a glass, of, I can have a bottle of wine, but I'm going to wait and have it on Friday. And so I'm going to all, you know, that's when I, that's my plan. Um, or yeah, I can order something off the internet. I can buy some clothes, but I'm going to plan for it. And so I, I get the treat, you know, I can um, have it, but I'm going to manage it so that it's, it's a reflection of my true values. It's not just this impulse that's taken over me. And you know what I think she should do on the internet um, buying front is put things into her cart mm. on Friday night when she feels, you know, like she deserves a treat. And then if by Saturday night she still feels like she wants that item, go ahead and get it. But it may be that just the pleasure of putting it in the cart and telling herself she can get it is enough. And she won't actually want it once she has a night's rest. This is an absolutely fascinating thing, I have to say. Uh, about putting things in the cart because I read some article and I've forgotten the statistic but some gigantic number of things that are put in carts are never purchased and several people who I've talked to because I'm always talking about, thinking about overbuying and underbuying many people say that they get the almost as much pleasure just from putting something in the cart as they do from actually ordering it like it's more like the identification and the sort of saying like ooh I like that and I'm going to pick that and then you don't really need to execute. It's fascinating. So I think that's a really terrific idea. It, you know, there's a lot of satisfaction that just comes from that process. Then you think about it overnight, and you see if you still feel the same way. That's really, really good. A really good thought. So Rachel, I hope this helps and good luck. You have a lot going on. Remember to treat yourself, healthy treats, and then maybe you don't need those unhealthy rewards. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Elizabeth, I think this time I'm up for the demerit. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, this is Barnaby related, my new puppy. Well, now he's five months old, so he's not so new. But um, so he had his operation, mm. um, which I'd been dreading because of the cone. I knew that he would be so unhappy when he had the cone on his head. Um, though I do say that one of the things that really I really got a kick out of was that on the like when the on the info sheet from the vet, they were they they called the cone his Elizabethan collar, <laughs> which I I thought showed a 
<laughs> a real sense of humor. Um, Some elegance. Yes. Yeah. Well, so the thing about it was, was um, I did not handle it well in that, you, you know, I... I don't know that if you've noticed this, Elizabeth, but I tend to be kind of a high-strung, kind of intense type of personality. Um, I noticed. <laughs> and it definitely happened here. I was just like, but what about this? And what about that? And, you know, he hasn't peed, you know, in such a long time. Is that okay? And yeah, yeah, I was just, I was just very, I was just very worked up. And I just, in reflection, thought, you know, I would have dealt with it better and other people would have stayed calmer and it would have just been a better experience for everybody, including Barnaby, if I had just remembered to stay calm and deal with everything in a calm way. Not There was no emergency. There was no big situation. I was just anxious because I was anxious about the, what was going on. I This was unfamiliar territory to me. So I did, it's sort of like having a new baby where you don't have any instincts. You don't have any sense of what's normal. And other people around me did not seem worried, which weirdly made me feel more worried because I was like, nobody here is worried. And so I have to worry for everyone. But in yeah. fact, no one was worried because really there was nothing to worry about. And so I should have just, I would have, it would have been better to have just had a calmer mind. Yeah. You know, I can do the same exact thing, Gretch. Like I, it's, if I, it's, if I feel like others aren't acknowledging that something's a problem, then I feel like I need to keep repeating over and over and over that it's a problem. Cause I'm, I'm like, what aren't we getting, you know, getting here, guys? Like, we need to address this. And it tends to drive people somewhat insane. Um, <laughs> yes. So it's definitely something that I also need to work on. So I'm glad you told this story because um, I do the same thing, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Now take us up. Gold star. What's the gold star for the week? Well, you know, Gretch, people are always asking us what other podcasts do we recommend besides our own? So many great ones. Yeah, there's so many great ones. So I want to give a gold star today to another podcast. It's called Another Round, and it's hosted by Tracy Clayton and Heben Nagatu. And it's these two women who are just so incredibly entertaining. They have a wonderful dynamic. They cover um, all sorts of things, gender, race, pop culture. They do fun quizzes um, and games. And they have, they have terrific guests. They had Hillary Clinton. They had Lena Dunham, uh, two of my favorite women. Um, and it's just, you smile when you listen to it. The thing I love about it is when they're just cracking each other up, you can just see them laughing, like wiping the tears from under their eyes because they are just cracking each other up so much. Um, I just find myself like I'll be walking down the street with this big smile on my face because I'm just listening to them. Yeah, um, it comes out every Monday and I always look forward to it. Um, and so, you know, at the end of their podcast, sort of like we have demerits and gold stars at the end of their of our podcast. At the end of theirs, they each say who they want to buy another round for. Um, so I this week want to buy another round for another round. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Hey, guys. I've just been watching our download numbers. And while you were taping that last segment, you hit 5 million downloads. <gasps> Yay! Congratulations. Yay. That's Yay. it. Yay, Henry. Thank you, Henry. Gold star Yay. to you guys. You know what I want to say? So many people who email us or, or call in say that they tell their friends and that they're, like, constantly recommending it. Thank you. That makes a yes. huge difference because most of the time... When I listen to something, it's because somebody has said, like, hey, 
listen to this and then I do or like and then a lot of times you might even have to show somebody how to listen to a podcast some people just simply do not know how to do it so you have to grab their phone and like do it for them but so I just did that for someone the other day gold star for you so um so oh that's so exciting yay Yay. what a nice way to end the show what a nice way to end the show and uh yeah so um keep listening (laughs) yes keep listening and thank you to our producer who we just were talking to henry malofsky and thanks to andy bowers and laura mayer of panoply gretchen's on twitter at gretchen rubin and i'm at elizabeth craft our email address is podcast at gretchenrubin.com In two weeks, we hope to see you in San Francisco, January 21st at the Brava Theater. Go to slate.com slash happier to get more information and buy your ticket. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.